in terms of purpose, you know, the, the more that I get into ESG, the more that I find out actually I can still do what I enjoy, which is data, technology, finance, and still be able to have the same impact, you know, if not even bigger right. impact. Why? Because, you know, once it comes to data, you can, data don't lie. You know, if, if, if I'm telling you, your company is not diverse, I'm not lying about it. It's, you just go check yourself and you're going to find your company is not diverse. <laughs> Welcome to Real People, Real Impact, the podcast where we talk to people in the ESG world that are actually doing things, not just talking about them. I'm your host, Kayumarjan, also known as Q. I have uh, Tibalt here on the Real People, uh, Real Impact podcast. Um, I've known you now for a few months. Uh, we met when you were working at one of the the big banks and you've moved on to one of the largest ESG advisors today. And I feel like we get to nerd out on ESG data. Like that's <laughs> that's where we got along. And yeah. you know, you're a really, really good, great individual. And you know, you have a very rare title. So you're a sustainability data engineer or ESG data engineer, and you've done this for one of the biggest um, ESG advisors and one of the biggest banks that are in the U.S. And I don't even think people know that this title exists. Um, but <laughs> it's going to be even more important going forward. So first of all, just want to ask you, like. Give a little bit of introduction to yourself, uh, who you are, and what does that role actually look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, uh, it's it's a real pleasure talking to you. So it's uh, it's always exciting, you know, once it comes to nerding out on data or anything technology. So in that space, uh, I truly, truly uh, love it. And then once it comes to ESG, it's even you know a chili you know, on a cake so it's 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 always exciting yeah my name is Thibault and as you can tell I have an accent I was born and raised in a tiny country in East Africa called Rwanda I came in the states like you know uh about about 10 years ago and then the school after school pretty much did the uh, science physics electrical engineering and then uh, applied analytics I find myself you know in the banking sector you know coming from there they have no idea pretty much what a bank is, the bank for me was, you know, you save money pretty much. That's where you put the, the cash. That's where you draw the cash. But then I got introduced into, uh, the you know, Wall Street sort of banks. And, and the, the area that I went in was specifically data engineering, you know, data and technology aspect. And um, in that specific, uh, you know, group there, what I was doing was kind of sort of the analytics, the analysis and all that. And that's when I find out about sustainability in that space. And sustainability kind of picked my eyes uh, for two things. Uh, ESG in particular, that's the niche where I found that you can be able to kind of generate uh, return for, you know, different investors. At the same time, you're able to track the impact. Why that matter to me? I came from East Africa, pretty much. If you think about it, there might be companies that are doing good things there. There might be companies that are doing bad stuff. And this is the opportunity for me that I can use the actual data and then be able to kind of sort of, you know, communicate, contribute in the in that space. And that's why that's how I find myself into that space. And then uh, again, data engineering is pretty much a growing field. It kind of touches different component. Uh, the data analytics is the same thing. So ESG uh, is no different. Even even better, ESG is more messy. So the messier the data, the better. You know, <laughs> totally. my job. Yeah. No, the messier the better. And you know, it's really crazy because we we share that similarity because I grew up in Kenya. Uh, I was born in Vancouver, but grew up in Kenya for about 13 years. So both from East Africa, and 
Likewise, yeah. I've always felt that, uh, you know, with some of these purpose-driven sort of ventures and analytics, like you just feel like your finance is awesome and you get to do some of some extra good in the world. Um, yeah. So, you know, as you, like, how did you transition into finance? Like what made you make the jump from, you know, engineering uh, into banking? Because as you said, yeah. it, you know, banks are, look totally different today than before, right? But yeah, uh, yeah what, what got you to make that move? Yeah, so I think from when I, when I started college, uh, I, I, I wasn't, I'm always a sort of a curious person and I go after sort of things that I don't know. And uh, when I was, when I was in undergrad, I was a mom, I was there, I was studying physics. And what was happening there, uh, um, I wanted to kind of, I started in different sciences. I wasn't pretty much sure, but I wanted to do a research. I wanted to kind of become maybe a, a PhD teacher in chemistry because that's what I knew. That's what I pretty much was um, a career that my parents, my teachers, everybody I talked about. But then um, two summers, I think that was my sophomore year, I got an opportunity pretty much to intern at Goldman Sachs. And I didn't know what Goldman Sachs was. It was one individual who kind of, you know, saw me and was like, yeah, Goldman Sachs, you're hiring people who can do coding, you know, uh, you can do, uh, you know, C++ coding. Around that time, I was like, why? Okay, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it sounds good and it's in New York, so I'm going to go. So I kind of started an interview there. I got into that space. And then as soon as I got there, a new world sort of completely opened. Um, I was able to go there, still do the coding, still do the data, still learn something. And then at the same time, it was finance, which was completely different to the normal way of thinking about finance. So a couple of years down the road, and I ended up you know, going to graduate school. And then this time I had sort of introduced to what it is the banking is, how it operates. You know, I had no, I learned how fixed income, equity, what a quantity is. You know, the, how do you use the data? How do you do pretty much the research? How do you do the, the fundamental research? And all that was very, very uh, sort of intriguing to me because in my country, all these structure are not in place. So then that's how I ended up finding myself there. And then when I was a Morgan Stanley Law, Morgan Stanley back then, and uh, I got introduced to uh, the sustainability side of things, you know, and uh, here, yeah. here we are. Never looked back. And obviously the trend has been right alongside with you, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you, when you work with sustainability data, like what does that actually look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like what kind of data are you pulling in? And, you know, we'll talk about the gaps and some of the issues later, but like, yeah, what kind of data are you looking at as a whole? Uh, and, and inputs into what sort of analysis? Yeah, yeah. So I think the data sort of varies. I guess like when it comes to ESG, people might think, oh, it's, it's some people tend to think it's just like, you know, environmental data. We're talking about, you know, uh, carbon emission, you know, GHG emission, scope one, school, scope one, scope we two. Are, we all love environmental emissions of all kinds. <laughs> yeah, and then um, on the other side, there's like social and there's, you know, there's, there's governance. It's what it is that, you know, different board diversity and composition and all that. But the data that I deal with sort of varies and, and it depends on, on, on what sector or kind of sort of what product you're dealing with. There could be sometime the actual sentimental data. You know, we're talking about how is this company being viewed in the in the news? That's pretty much could fit into like contra controversy style data, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So those kind of data I, I get to deal with. Uh, the other aspect is like, you know, estimates. You know, let's say you have a specific company, it might be a private company. And if that company, they say, does not disclose these metrics, but you know some of their financial metrics, how can you sort of estimate data imputation? So we kind of deal with that. 
And so it sort of varies, but it mostly is like, you know, around that the things like uh, representation, gender diversity, um, uh, uh, pre emission and all that. So it, things of that nature. Totally. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I saw like this chart one time where it kind of showed the how companies' scores have changed over time. And, you know, there's been a huge jump, especially in the last few years of like companies, you know, e-scores, like the environmental scores have like increased rapidly. You know, S&G has remained a little bit more constant, but is kind of like, you know, now on the way up. And I feel like that's because, you know, we made a huge deal about climate change and all of this kind of stuff that was happening. Uh, it's still obviously happening, but where it became a really big sort of, you know, issue for the world. And I'm just curious, like, from the data, do you think that we've sort of over-indexed on climate-related data? And, you know, like we said, like, we see so much around scope one, two, three emissions, and there's so much tracking being done. Um, so do you think the social and governance data is still stepping up? Or do you think, or do you see a bit of a, a mix in terms of what you can get? Yeah, so, so the, for the environmental, there's, I think, two factors. If you look at Europe, they are pretty much sort of advanced in terms of, like, carbon and environment in that aspect. In the regulation, once it comes in place, it kind of sort of hip enforces that, you know. Um, but once it comes to E and I mean S and G, the social aspect, you know, the diversity definition in the United States is totally different to diversity in Rwanda, uh, in, in East Africa, and then so is Europe. Um, that data I say is, is still behind, but as company care about like you know issues, you know, about representation these data slowly is started sort of developing um both data i'll say you know it's still it's still not there yet uh even even environmental data is not there yet but over time i'll hope that uh the social aspect will also get same 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 um same like uh attention totally yeah data. and i think it's starting it's starting there and i think also the other thing that we're seeing now is like the cross comparison data like you know, for example, like carbon intensity, right? Being able to compare the carbon intensity as a, you know, a ratio across all these different companies. So hopefully, yeah, we're able to get not just the raw metrics, but ways that we can actually compare against everyone. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about estimates for a little bit because we're joking on one of the last calls that we had about the scope one, two, and three emissions. And mm -hmm. I was telling you about, you know, conversations I've had with some sustainability consultants where, you know, they are, they're estimating these for companies and those estimates are being used for other people's estimates, which are then being used for other people's estimates. And it's a bit, slightly a little bit of a house of cards, but yeah, what are some of the, I guess, issues you're seeing in the way data is collected today? Like, what are some things that people might not be aware of uh, with ESG data right now? Yeah, so let's say once it comes to the estimate, that's a good, that's a good actually question. And then that's actually a big problem too. Uh, there's people that are making decisions on these estimates and they're making big decisions once it comes to like building index and all that. So you're building an index, but you are using the metric that is one estimated on a specific company that is not updated, updated in uh, quite a, I mean, some, some of them, they really, I don't know the update frequency of even the big, uh, the biggest vendor that are, that are out there. So the key question is, and the problem that I see is nobody knows how frequent this, how recent this data is, you know, some of these data. If a company take action, or if a company want to sort of maybe trick, if I don't know, maybe I haven't yeah. seen a case, but let's say if a company had to do that, um, they will be able to get away with it. Maybe they will be get caught, maybe even a quarter, but some of these data is, it's, uh, it's you can't you can, you can be able to kind of say, 
100 percent uh when it needs to be updated and that's uh, when you do estimates like that that's that's one of the problems that that comes into a picture um you can be able to estimate where the company falls but i guess it varies on different metrics that people are using how do you verify that how do totally. you cross check that um but what i th- what i've been doing on one side is like whenever you impute the new data you kind of sort of provide the expressity that this is estimated based on that. I guess it goes back to how terms and conditions transparency and- <laughs> are you on? How how do you yeah. disclose all this information? You know, in the, it kind of provide it's a it's a step in the right direction since there's no regulation in place that kind of allows company you need to pro, to produce the you need to show this data. And even if you do that, how are you gonna be able to get this metric from a private company? So that's a big challenge. <laughs> right, right. And that's what we talked about last time. Yeah, no, pri- private companies is a whole, a whole different beast, right? And yeah. so talking about that, like what, what is available for private companies today? I think it, it depends. So if, if you are already sort of somebody who is investing in a company, you actually have a way you can influence to get those metrics. Right. You can get actually those data. Uh, but for the external world, if, you, if you're not involved in that company whatsoever, there's no way you can disclose that information. I think there is no easy way to find that information. Um, so what, what is existing right now, if you know a company location, you know a company uh, structure, uh, you know company information as far as like maybe social and the diversity, you can get some some alternative data. They say you can, I mean, LinkedIn, there's a yeah. couple of vendors that can actually closely estimate that. But the key question is that estimate, how sure are you that is actually close to accurate, you know, in a sense, right. unless if you go check with the actual companies. Yeah. Um, there is something that is existing. Always, there's always data. You know, the data, The key question is, is the data right? And that's sometimes, you know, uh, subjective. But there's no much that exists on the private side. And I think maybe there will be over time i guess like if you're an investor you have access but if you're not an investor usually it's definitely hard yeah and i guess it'll, it'll be a proactive sort of <clears throat> model to go in and yeah. actually, you know no money like there's a bit of a carrot in the stick right yeah yeah <laughs> that's really interesting so you know one thing that happened to me when i got into the ESG space is i had to put this i i got in and i knew about ESG and was interested in the purpose and everything um but when I actually got inside and started meeting different people, like that's when I truly understood sort of the different actors and people that are working for a much higher purpose, right? Um, is that something that you found as well? And how has your mentality changed as you've been involved in the space and met different people? Because of course, like anytime you're in an industry, you just organically start to create these networks, these relationships, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. In terms of like, I hope I understand the question right, but in terms of purpose, you know, the, the more that I get into ESG, the more that I find out actually I can still do what I enjoy, which is data, technology, finance, and still be able to have the same impact, you know, if not even bigger right. impact. Why? Because, you know, once it comes to data, you can, data don't lie. You know, if, if, if I'm telling you your company is not diverse, I'm not lying about it. It's, you just go check yourself and you're going to find your company is not diverse. <laughs> go check yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no way I can actually be able to kind of sort of lie about it. So... What I find out is if somebody who is an investor who um, is interested in a product X, that, that kind of sort of care about ESG, I, I find that um, I, will, I can help out build a product that's tailored to your need. That is actually either you care about diversity or environment um, and you're able to touch those points. At the same time, you get a return on the other side. 
So being, I think my calling in that space is like, I feel like I'm part of that impact in terms of like things that, that I care about, which is like the environment, something that I care about, the diversity part is something that I care about. Um, those things, being able to kind of sort of use that data and drive, create different product, fixed income product, equity, you know, equity product, whatever that might just touch that space from the investor, that's that's definitely like a calling for me. And if there is a chance where I can be able to kind of drive the investor to show them the great opportunities, um, you know, again, from looking at ESG, that's that's always exciting, you know. Totally. <laughs> they, they yeah. don't, that's what you gotta remember. They don't, they don't lie and money money and liquidity drives so much, right? And I think yeah. that's been the, the craziest thing because uh, now with ETFs kind of purchasing all, all the vehicles and trying to, you know, implement those ESG policies with uh, firms like yourself, like it's just all different angles pushing people towards, you know, that phrase. And it doesn't need to be a hard thing for them to do, right? It just becomes, I was on a panel the other day and it's really trying to make sustainability, you know, mm -hmm. this ESG stuff easy, right? Embedded mm -hmm. as part of the existing workflows. That's really cool. So what what does the, what does the sort of the future look like for some of the work that you do? Like what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the space um, around either company reporting, their collection, mm -hmm. you name it, like what does the future look like? So the future looks like I think um, if you, a good a good picture that I can I can paint for you. Think about if somebody you have an elephant, but you have a lot of blind people. One is touching the the mouth of an elephant. The other person is touching different side of the elephant. Everybody has sort of some pictures of what it is that they're touching. They can just describe in their own way, and that's how I tend to see ESG. You know, in terms of like I understand ESG, you need to look this way from my angle, which is um, the blind person who's trying to create a picture, and the other side is another blind person who's trying to create a picture. All to say, uh, over time, there has not been, I don't know, clarity in terms of like regulations, um, in terms frameworks. of frameworks and stuff like that. There's so many frameworks and all that that is existing. Yeah. What's happening going in the future is you will be able to see if somebody say ESG, then you need to be able to sort of have some sort of frameworks that you're going to deal with it. You cannot simply say, oh, ESG, I'm actually building an ESG product. By the way, this is a, um, an environmental friendly investment. You need to add it to some metrics, or some sort of disclosure to be able to get the, the, the investor to do that. What I see over time is like maybe a little bit cleaner data, yeah. <laughs> a little bit uh, more regulation in the place, a little bit more better disclosures and uh i guess maybe the maturity of this space over time that, that, yeah that's what I, I think so and definitely cleaner data because i feel like uh you know like we integrate the sasb framework as part of our application and uh, i know with sasb they're trying to get to a state where it's machine readable esg reporting right like just like a 10q 10k like you report the numbers and the data you don't have a 900 page pdf document with archery yeah. tables <laughs> like that's what it's been like it's like i'm not kidding when we do our tcfd scraping like we are literally going in those those reports and taking the data out right yeah. so definitely cleaner data i think will go a long way and i think when other people see others doing it then of course they have to do it as well otherwise you become one of the only yeah, yeah 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 no, so better really disclosure for sure better definitely. disclosure i guess that's 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 on the way that's pretty good. Is there any final thoughts that you have for anyone listening about this space? Um, for everybody listening who cares about these issues, I'll say this is the right time to get into this space. And uh, what I can say is like you don't need to know things to the PhD level. I mean, just if you're driven by curiosity, you care about the environmental, social governance aspect, you know, ESG in general, I'll say, you know, go for it. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, 
great place to be. It's a, I would say, it's a place where you're gonna have impact. Uh, it's a place that 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 is moving fast. It's um, it, it's uh, I would say it's exciting. So it's a, there's there's no better time than now. I can echo that 100. Yeah. percent Well, hey, it's been really really good to have you on. I think your wealth of wisdom and definitely the purpose aligned with with everything. I think. Hopefully we all get to make the impact in East Africa that we want to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, if people want to find you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, contact you, kind of see see where you're at? Yeah, I think you can, you know, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there. So I think that's actually the most, the best way you can, you know, you can get in touch with me. And then um, I, I try to be active there, but not as much, but that's the best way. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. You know, you're a real person making some real impact. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. You're super welcome. Yeah. Yeah.